Hey, this is Megan McDuffie. I'm a video game composer, recording artist, and music producer. And you're listening to Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. The Casanova Podcast, the number one podcast in Hawaii, is brought to you by these contributors on Patreon. If you'd like to see more content like this more often, as well as more podcasts, reviews, impressions, early access releases, live streams, and original content, then consider becoming a patron today. of Hawaii's number one podcast, The Casanova Podcast. I'm your host, Mikhail Casanova, and I'm coming at you with another phenomenal podcast. And in this episode, I've got the honor and privilege of interviewing not one, but two phenomenal guests. And that is Adam Tierney. He is the business development manager and game director at WayForward Technologies. And also Bannon Rudis, who is the assistant director and combat director for river city girls now it is an honor because not only am i a huge fan of wayford technologies but i'm a fan of the properties that they put out and river city girls is such a special project to me because as a fan of river city the franchise double dragon and more it's just simply phenomenal and on this episode i get to dive into more than just the surface level things but talk about the technical aspects of the games and so much more so if you're ready to do it, I'm ready to do it. Let's go ahead and introduce Adam and Bannon onto the show. All right, and welcome everyone to another episode of Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. I'm your host, Mikel Casanova, and I have the true honor and privilege of interviewing the two directors of River City Girls. From way forward, Adam Tierney and Bannon Rudis, go ahead and introduce yourself, guys. It is such an honor to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you for having us. So, <clears throat> Bannon, uh, this is Adam, and uh, I've got Bannon next to me. We're both directors here at Way Forward, and what that means is we basically kind of oversaw production of River City Girls. Mm. We also designed it, wrote it, um, you know, anything that you love in the game or hate in the game we're probably responsible for um but yeah it's, it's it's very similar to kind of like a you know director role in a movie it's it's you know this is the role that puts everything together so we mm-hmm. you know that was us on this and i and i hope you guys uh for whoever's had a chance to play it like what we put together any of your hate dms though send directly to adam Tierney. Yeah, I'll, I'll take those. <laughs> oh man i mean honestly what is there to hate about the game the game like for me i i okay i'm an old school great gamer i grew up with atari and the nes so you know, I grew up with the original uh, River City game and Renegade and Double Dragon and Kung Fu. So for me, like playing... I like this guy already. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and 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 also bad dudes. It's like you know playing yes. playing this game. You gotta it, save the president. 
right <laughs> and then eat you know have, have a cheeseburger after <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's like it, it's crazy because like when i when i um you know when i got the review code for the game and i started playing it i'm like this right here is a love letter to all old school brawlers or side scrolling beat em ups or like we used to say in the day uh belt scrollers it's um it everything like there, there's honestly nothing and you know and i'm not trying to just blow smoke up your guys but <laughs> i'm being completely honest and i, I said it. Away. <laughs> you know and I, and I said it in my review like this this game is the only thing i have that i think would be awesome with it would be like having online co-op but other than that from the story the gameplay the graphics the music the 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 voice acting there's absolutely nothing wrong with the game and the easter eggs i saw you had linda and the bobo and <laughs> like i'm over here like yo how many people are gonna recognize that like how many old school gamers gonna be like hey i remember that character it was it's, you guys did fantastic i love it was funny yeah like a lot of that stuff too came from our japanese publisher arc system works people know mm -hmm. them from like blaze blue and um uh, all their fighting games like mm -hmm. uh, dragon ball fighter z and once we got going on the game the, our producers over there were like hey go ahead and add this character what about this character and you know <laughs> they wanted skullmageddon in there and they wanted like super obscure characters from other technos games like yep. combat tribes yeah it's like oh if you could remake this music track and this one so yeah it was really it, it was really fun just because all those worlds Double Dragon, Kunio Kun, mm -hmm. all these obscure Technos games are all connected. So to be able to just like play with all the characters and locations and Easter mm -hmm. eggs from those was really awesome. It is kind of like a extended Technos verse kind of game. Yeah. And, and that was one of the things too, like, you know, I, I was talking to some of my friends or like asking like about those references. Like there's the one guy from Combat Tribes that I was like, Oliver. yeah, and I was like, holy crap, you guys went... <laughs> You, you reached way back and pulled that out. And, and a lot of my friends are like, who is that? Even my wife, when she was playing it, she's like, she's like, who is that? I'm like, and I went and pulled it up. I was like, here, I've got the, car, I've got the original game. <laughs> <laughs> she's he's, like, he's lost a little bit of muscle yeah, mass yeah. over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also uh, one of the other shopkeepers is, I think her full name is Martha Splatterhouse. Yeah. She's the electric woman. Yeah, she was one of the, the villains from Combat Tribes, I think right and it, it's just amazing like i i it, you know it's it's so rare to see games these days that have such callbacks to you know the franchises that paved the way for what we have now and the fact that you guys did that man hats off to you guys that was amazing oh, <laughs> yeah it was really and it was fun to you know we really wanted to reinvent everything and and like ride that line between nostalgia and bringing in new gamers so you know for somebody who's never played these games who's never played a double dragon or a river city kunio kun game mm -hmm. they just see a bunch of wacky characters that hopefully they're digging for people that have played these games you know going back to the 80s they get that like wave of nostalgia and they could recognize this character and this character so that was kind of our goal was to make something that would stand up on its own but would just be like you know taken to a whole other level for anybody mm -hmm. that's played these games before definitely and it, I, you know and that's the whole other thing too is like anyone who like my wife she's never played any of the double dragon or river city games or combat tribes or bad dudes i, I have to mention bad dudes because i love that that title yep but you know it's, she's never played any of those and when she was playing this she's like i she, she kept asking me she's like do i need to know any of the background I'm like no <laughs> 
now. It's kind of like a soft reboot, I would say, of the the Niketsu or Kunio yep. franchise. So yeah, it's kind of they actually the Japanese title calls it like Gaiden, like a side story. So mm-hmm. you know, it's they embraced it and they they made sure Arc System Works because they own the brand now. They made sure that that it lined up. So like, if you watch as you play the game, and characters are like. I don't go to this school and I'm from this part of town. Like they made sure all of that was correct. And they were giving us like all the little factoids for there. But mm-hmm. yeah, aside from that, they really just let us go wild kind of rethinking each character. Awesome. Man. Awesome. So like, um, when it comes to, uh, to, to when you guys are in the planning process for river city girls, like, was there anything that, um, like, how is the concept? Like when you decided to, focus it on Kyoko and Masako instead of Kunio and Ricky. So that, yeah, that's another thing. So they've had about 50 games and almost all of them star Kunio and Ricky. So yeah. it's, it's kind of a big deal that you're not starting the game playing as the boys in this one. Mm-hmm. And that was just, you know, way forward tends to do games where we have a lot of female main characters. So that was the pitch is just like, Hey, we saw this cool super Nintendo game from Japan where it had Masako and Kyoko what if we did a game all about them? What if it had this art style? What if it had this sort of humor to it? And uh, and Ark was on board. So we we basically did like a little like 10-page pitch doc with some concept art. Mm-hmm. They really dug that. And then uh, and then we just kept, you know, coming up with ideas back and forth and and they were interested and WayForward is interested and then we we dove into the the full production. Awesome, awesome. And um with the with you know it's it's been like you said it's like over 50 titles with kunio and ricky so with uh river sea girls is that you know is this also part of the canon storyline in the sense of does it also tie in because i'm not sure if uh river city ransom underground ties into your guys's work or if it's um, completely it does not um river city ransom underground is the game i made right before i got mm-hmm. to wait forward Mm-hmm. Um, that one is, I saw that more as into the future, even though the original one I consider to be a uh, place in 19 XX, mm-hmm. it, this one is in the far future of also 19 XX, like <laughs> nostalgia, <laughs> the age of nostalgia. It never goes anywhere. The people do age in it mm-hmm. according to the creator of the game. However, the, they want to make them however old, yeah. but in that. It's supposed to be in the future, but it's still stuck in that era. Oh, I think okay. it was as we were kind of working with Ark and getting like a lesson on, you know, all the different characters and stuff. I mean, Bannon went really deep on his game, mm-hmm. and then they they brought even crazier amounts of depth. Um, Arc System works to our game mm-hmm. in terms of like available characters and what we could reference and lore and lore, just all the lore stuff. But it was, but I don't know that the fifty games are like you know very. St- strictly sequels and this directly leads into this one they're kind Mm -hmm. of just all these different crazy little adventures using the same characters some of them lead into others but some of them are remakes some of them are kind of you know more side stories so it was we there really wasn't i think that much to tap into in terms of like well this character was at this point then and this point then and make sure that this doesn't happen before this it does at least as far as our involvement and working with arc it didn't feel like that level of nuance it was more about like how does hiroshi act and how does ricky act and how are they going to be in our game and Mm -hmm. what are they after and and they let us really play with that like i mean you know we have the 
the rival girls, uh, uh, Hasabe and Mommy, mm-hmm. are usually pretty sweet. I mean, most of the girls are pretty sweet in the uh, in the traditional series. We wanted to make them more rivalry, so they're a little bit more bitter and kind of like you know um, taunting rival type characters. And Ark was fine with it. They're just like, oh yeah, that, that seems cool. You know, it's funny what you're doing with them. So there's a little bit of reinvention, but mm-hmm. then as much as possible, we tried to kind of play homage to where these characters came from and, and a little bit of their histories. Yeah, otherwise Bolivar wouldn't be working at a store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. And even Burnoff too, that cameo with Burnoff, yep. I was like, wow. Really? Oh, thank you. That was like <laughs> that was one of the first things we came up with. I said we have to have Burnoff specifically <laughs> so he can do that stupid weird little mask vanish thing. Right. It was like, that was one of the very first gags we came up with. And it's interesting if because uh, we didn't we knew we didn't want to slow the player down, so mm-hmm. all the story in the game is either cinematics that you can skip, or it's dialogue that happens as you go. So it never like freezes the gameplay. I think that's the only time in the game, outside of like boss battle modes, where we pause the gameplay. But it was just the gag was too good, mm-hmm. so we're like, all right, well they they can they can stop moving for three seconds so he can do his like dopey little vanishing. Act. <laughs> Oh man! So, so with um, the when it came tonight down to like the the combat system of the game, it it really like I feel like it infused so much like from the original River Sea Ransom. I felt like there were a lot of aspects from River Sea Ransom Underground, Double Dragon Advance, you know, Super Double Dragon or Return of Double Dragon. There was so much that went into that combat system that you guys have for it that. I'm seeing people on Twitter, they're making combo compilations, you know, they're, they're, they're talking about, oh, you can use this combo into that, and then here's the hitbox and the frame data. Like, ha- has it really surprised you guys how deep people have gotten into that combat system? Not really, because that is, so, I've talked about this before, where I do a design thing called Little Brother, Big Brother. Little Brother can just hit quick attack. Mm-hmm. And quick attack combos will end in a knockdown. Mm-hmm. So the enemy isn't just standing there taking hit after hit. Mm-hmm. But then there is Big Brother. Big Brother knows how to cancel and juggle and then air juggle. And then, like, he knows how to do the things Little Brother doesn't. Yeah. Little Brother is ignorant to the fact that he can do these air juggles or go into a throw and then fall up that throw with something else mm-hmm. or the frame data. But he's having a great time. So Big Brother knows how to do more. But both of them are having a great time. But other than that, yeah, there is a lot of nuanced stuff that's in the combat mm-hmm. that I didn't advertise. Like, we didn't say, like, oh, you know, stone hands, you can cancel in between each of the stone hand attacks yeah. into a heavy or another special. It just, it's like, yeah, people will discover this. People will share their stuff. And, yeah, I'm, I'm still pretty surprised what people can come up with, mm-hmm. especially after playing the game for a year, I'm like, I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> a lot of, I see people really getting into lately juggling and then loving the, the, the air takedown, like the slamming characters. down. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, two of the things, Bannon did all of the combat design in the game. I did. And I just love what, what he and, and our uh, lead animator Kay came up with. Mm-hmm. I think two of the things that, that, you know, I think they nailed really well is one, making the combat really funny and fun and engaging, especially when you play as like the Kyoko character, you know, some of her attacks, everybody talks about the dab, yeah. love or hate it. <laughs> um, but, uh, but a lot of the attacks are just very silly and they really, 
you know, play up her goofy personality and they play up the seriousness of the Masako character. So mm-hmm. I love how much of their personality is in the attacks. And the other thing that we knew starting at the beginning was we didn't want players to struggle to pull off a move, especially after they're saving up and buying it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of is more along the lines of what Smash Brothers does or even what Arc System works. I noticed they were doing in games like their Dragon Ball game. Mm-hmm. They're very simple inputs. It's usually not deeper than like a direction plus one button. Mm-hmm. So even gamers that are not as fighting and brawler experienced, they can still pull off those moves. They're not going to be doing, you know, 15 second long crazy air juggle insta kill things, mm-hmm. but they can still buy a move and then be able to pull it off and have that sense of satisfaction. And that kind of came down to like, I loved Alien vs. Predator, the arcade. And oh, I did take a lot of game. <laughs> play mechanics from that mm-hmm. how you kind of push through a crowd instead of standing um completely still and idle like mm-hmm. in a fight, fight game but in that game there were some moves where you press down up or something like that or you do a fireball move mm-hmm. but i really loved what dragon's crown did there's so much yeah. complex stuff you can do in that game with very simple controls definitely definitely and okay so we you know so there's some inspiration from dragon's crown there's some inf- uh, inspiration from other titles as well. So what what else? What else inspired it? Do do we have some some Streets of Rage and some Final Fight or what? What, what else inspired I mean, it? So one of the cool things about the River City world is it overlaps with other worlds, and the biggest one is Double Dragon. We had done Double Dragon Neon before, but I I grew up. I mean, I've played through Double Dragon too. I must have at least a, a hundred times, and mm-hmm. so. You know, I was really excited to see Bannon and Kay pulling in moves from that series in the terms of the way that you're grabbing guys and kneeing them and throwing them over the shoulder. And, you know, I've always thought just the, the, the grab attack system in the early Double Dragons was one of the most satisfying combat systems. We also used it in one of our Batman games. So mm-hmm. I loved seeing a blend of that and the River City stuff and some stuff from Underground and just kind of throwing them all into a pot and mixing it up. And not only that, but like when you are grabbing somebody, you will notice if there are enough enemies on the screen, somebody is pretty much lined up, kind of waiting in the shadows, waiting for you to throw that enemy at them. Because if you're just throwing an enemy just to throw them mm-hmm. and they just land on nothing, it's it's fun, but it's it's a lot more fun to throw an enemy into yeah. another enemy. Exactly. And same thing with the weapons. So in the traditional River City Ransom style you can swing a weapon or you can throw it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the heavy weapons, they're pretty heavy. you got to really lean into it to kind of get them away for you or else they'll just bop you on your own head. And that's so satisfying, throwing weapons and having them hit an enemy that's rushing you, throwing enemies into each other, grabbing enemies off the ground and using them as weapons. It's, it's just a really fun uh, blend of combat. And smashing the weapon on them is pretty satisfying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It actually does extra damage, just... And, you know, the, I, I love the fact that for Masako, you guys gave her the hyper knee from Double Dragon 2 <laughs> with with the sound and the correct animation. I was in nostalgia heaven with that. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was one of the first moves that was proven out in uh, in the first prototype. And, yeah, you, you better believe we got that sound effect in there. That, there was no question about that. <laughs> Oh man, so so um, you know, I have to ask when it came to like deciding on what the you know the the OST should be like for the game and the overall style and aesthetic of the music to match the theme that you're going for with the character designs. 
how did you guys come up with that? So we kind of just, you know, one of the things that, that we did early on is we, we knew we wanted to try out a lot of new blood on this game. So, mm -hmm. you know, WayForward has a really long history of doing awesome pixel games. And I think if you look at the games, if you look at, you know, some of the Shantae games and the Contra games and stuff, you can kind of spot like, oh, okay, they're probably using the same artist here and there. I wanted to uh, make sure that this game really had its own identity. So we were trying out a lot of new artists, including music. And so we we had a, a you know a handful of musicians on the game, but the the one who did the bulk of the tracks is named Megan McDuffie, yep. and she I just, just interviewed just her, destroyed <laughs> it. Oh my God, she just went nuts on this this soundtrack. Did over fifty songs, I think about fifty songs herself, and. All of them are just so catchy. I, I've never worked on a game where I just constantly find myself humming <laughs> the tunes from your own game, just, you know, outside of work. Right. But she did great. She did full vocal songs. So the only thing that we really, you know, decided at the beginning was we wanted the music to have a continuous beat mm -hmm. so that it felt like the girls were kind of just like fighting their way through a club. Yeah. Um, and then we already had signed Chipsel to do the boss songs. And she does that very grungy, thick, heavy sort of like chiptune style. So we wanted somebody to come in a little more symphonic. Mm -hmm. And Megan was recommended to us. And it like the, the kind of synth pop style music that she did just matches everything in the visuals and the gameplay so well. We were we were excited, you know, to work with her, but we were also just continuously blown away by what she came up with. Yeah, it was just like a hit making machine. Like every day there'd be a song like <laughs> How is she making this? Yep. This <laughs> no, because it, it, you know, I, I actually just interviewed her a couple of days ago, and um, I was I, I had to ask her the same question. I was like, "How did you come up with that?" It's like you went into this, you know, this Zen state for music creation. You just went and just started creating like crazy. She's like, "Yeah, I kind of did." <laughs> I was like, "Wow." Like I'm a musician too, and I'm like I can't pull off half of what you did, and I I do the same thing. I play rock, and you know I do uh, you know retro style chip tunes, and it's like I can't pull that off. Like oh yeah, like my my wife is not much of a gamer, but we'll listen to the soundtrack sometimes when we're driving, and she just like I would just listen to this. She's like this is the '80s music I would I would have adored. Right. And what's crazy too is when we started working with Megan. Um, I mean, she'd already worked on a couple of different games and soundtracks, but I remember at the beginning of production looking her up on Spotify and it's like, oh, okay, there's like, you know, like a half a dozen albums or a couple singles. And then now after the game, like a year later, you look it up, it's like, oh, she's released like a dozen albums and 50 tracks since mm -hmm. doing this game. And so the, the degree of how prolific she is is just ridiculous. Yeah, truly is. Yeah, I mean, the very first thing that I saw of her was a video showing how to use a microwave door mm -hmm. to make a movie trailer um like music whatever like sting just yep. using that slamming of a microwave door wow yeah i highly recommend trying to find that video <laughs> i definitely definitely will wow that is amazing man that's so so there was actually something cool that came about in the gameplay from that too so one of the things we knew was we wanted to just load low-key drop full vocal songs in the middle of a stage. And that was something mm. that I remember um, the first time I heard that was in uh, uh, one of the Wario Land games on Game Boy Color, I think. 
where you're just walking around. It's like, holy crap, I think someone's singing. And you're so used to only hearing that at the title screen or the credits. But mm-hmm. it was so immersive. So I'm like, yeah, we should do some of that. We should just drop the vocals in. And so she, there's about one vocal song by her in each stage. Yeah. Later on in the game, you fight this rock star boss named Noise. Yep. And we kind of spun it all together. And we said, well, what if the songs you're hearing are this rock star just because she's so popular, everybody in River City listens to her. Mm-hmm. And then so we kind of like cast Megan as Noise. And usually every time you see, uh, hear her music, you're seeing Boombox uh, is playing it. You're seeing like posters and yeah, and the mall like you know coming soon, concert upcoming, all this stuff. So it's all like in you know embracing this character. Mm-hmm. And then when you finally encounter her and fight her, you feel like you've got you know we've been constructing this identity through the music for you know the past several hours. And mm-hmm. I think that was one of the most interesting things that wasn't planned from the beginning, but once we started hearing all those Megan. Uh, vocal tracks were like, oh, she's just, she's got to be this character. She's got to be the the music version of Noise. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I mean, and literally, like with with the work that she did with the, the soundtrack, it's, you know, I've had that when I was doing my review, I I had the soundtrack on repeat. You know, <laughs> everyone like even at uh, we have a couple of, uh, of FGC fighting game tournaments and some of the music we went from playing, you know, alternative and hip hop to just playing the soundtrack to river city girls at a lot a lot of our uh, couple last couple tournaments and everyone's like yo i need this like where can i go and get it i'm like spotify apple music is here it's there go support share retweet whatever just play it get it and get the word out oh thanks man (laughs) it's funny we had um one of our co-workers teenage daughter play this we were just testing it with like new people and especially like a younger audience Mm -hmm. adam and i wrote down the same exact note uh, without knowing it, that we watched the girl playing it, and her head just kept bobbing up and down anytime she heard mu- uh, music from Megan. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's amazing. Um, it, yeah, yeah. You know what? I if there's any DLC coming for the game, or if there's another sequel or anything, I think you guys and and Megan that 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 has to happen. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I, I, you know, there's a few people like Megan on the the most of the tracks. Uh, all the art, all the character designs are are by this amazing artist named Priscilla Hamby, mm-hmm. and then uh, our lead animator Kay uh, did most of the character animation. There's all these people that were just we found over the course of this game that are total rock stars, and I think all of them at this point are totally, you know, one with what this brand is as far as way forward. So yeah, yeah, it it elevated it far beyond what Bannon and I initially planned to do or even imagined this game. So yeah, if we get to do DLC or a sequel or anything like that, we're we're definitely going to bring all these people back. Awesome. Awesome. And were you guys surprised at how critically acclaimed the response was to River Sea Girls? Because Compared to other, I mean, I know River City games, they have been coming out, they're still coming out, but this is the first one to really, with the exception of the original River City on the NES, to really just, you know, burst into the Western audience the way it is. It's so mainstream. I mean, I think the the thing is, like, we love the games that ARK's been doing um, on the DS and 3DS, but they're very traditional River City games. Like, they, you know, they they make it mm-hmm. full 3D background, and they put, you know, kind of their own bells and whistles on it, but they're effectively using, like, the NES sprites um, yeah. 50 games later. 
So what we knew early on is we didn't want to do that just because we wanted this one to, you know, nobody to say, hey, do I did I already play that? Is that the game from 3DS or is that the DS one? Which one is this? We wanted mm-hmm. to be like clearly have its own identity. So it's actually like for anybody who knows that brand, it's a pretty big deal that after 50 games, we're, you know, just throwing away that art style other than like, you know, the little tutorial Alex that pops up mm-hmm. and uh, um, and coming up with like a very vibrant, very different sort of like sprite style and animation style. Mm-hmm. But we felt that was necessary to bring in a new audience because we knew that if we copied the old traditional style, it wouldn't really expand beyond what the previous games were able to do. Yeah. And so, you know, the goal was always to do something really flashy and colorful and, and modern and appealing that would get a new audience. But then we have all those lore uh, bits and characters to appeal to the existing audience. So hopefully get the best of both worlds. Yeah. And that's kind of like the, uh, you could actually cross compare like Double Dragon Neon to Double Dragon 4. Whereas Double Dragon 4 was very traditional in the NES, you know, within the original NES continuity, it didn't really draw in a lot of newer fans, but a lot of the older heads that grew up with it, with the exception of, with, with the difference being like with Double Dragon Neon drawing a lot of new people with its art style, you know, and, and just overall aesthetics. So, yeah, I, I yeah. <laughs> and I think that's just kind of the way forward style too. Like we'll, you know, we'll do games like DuckTales Remastered where it's trying to be close to like a one-to-one, but unless we're doing that, we kind of like just, you know, winging it and doing our own style and, mm-hmm. and, you know, rethinking the brands and stuff. So this is basically at the end of the day, just the most way forwardy version of like a Kunio Kun River City game, I think. Yeah, definitely. And um, I, I gotta ask you guys, like, what's it like, you know, at way forward, what's like, what's it like working there? Like, what's the typical day like for you guys, especially within your roles? Well, there's no talking allowed. Yeah, there's <laughs> none at all. This is so, like, I forget how to talk sometimes. We're outside right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's, uh, I've been here for 15 years and, uh. And it's just, it is a crazy madhouse of very talented people. And I think part of what helps it structurally, helps our games be weird and stand out, mm-hmm. is the level of trust of management. I worked at some places before Way Forward where kind of like management and the top creative individuals will make all the fun decisions and then everybody else just works for them on each game. Mm-hmm. The first game, one of the first games I worked on, I animated for six months and they said, here's your spreadsheet. And that's all I did was just work from a spreadsheet for six months. And there was no real input wow. beyond that. But, you know, way forward, like some of the craziest stuff, even in this game was suggested halfway through or suggested by our programmers or animators. So mm-hmm. it's just, you know, there's just an openness for ideas. And I think, you know, once Bannon and I set the tone of this game and said, okay, here's how it looks, here's how it sounds. Then, getting the rest of the team to contribute ideas and contribute funny moments and cool little personality stuff um, really just helped elevate it. Like, for example, like, you know, one of the late additions was all the little NPCs standing around. That was something that, that Bannon and and Kay added Mm -hmm. where you just swipe at them and they kind of block a little bit, but they just go back to their phone. It's so just fun and immersive. And that was not in the initial design documents or anything. It was just something where, you know, along the way, it was like, hey, what if we did this? Wouldn't that be funny? Wow. That is awesome. <laughs> I mean, this is my first 
professional video game job. Like Underground was a Kickstarter thing. That was my first time ever doing a video game. So this is my only experience. But yeah, I mean, it's just you come in, you just get to be creative, and you mm. make video games for a living. It's quite enjoyable. Isn't that the dream, though? <laughs> I mean, according to like little seven-year-old Bannon, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, working. I, I think just working in the gaming industry is is such it's it's such a dream job, and you know, I I don't work in it like I'm not with a company I am you know an independent content creator and, and games journalist but at the same time you know I get to work with so many different companies I get to speak with you know people such as yourselves that are making the games and the PR teams and the people who make the music for the games the people that voice the characters in games and it's just it's such an amazing industry to be in and it's unlike anything else and it seems like everyone that I've talked to absolutely loves it and I think for me, the pinnacle was when I got to go to E3 this year. I was sent, I, I got flown to E3 by uh, PDP, uh, Performance Design Products. And it was truly eye-opening to get to meet so many people in the industry. Like, and you didn't say hello? <laughs> I, well, I, well, you know, I was, okay, hey, hey. I We're have done. To, We're I, done. I have to, hey, oh, hey. He's, hey. he's going out the door now. <laughs> Where I can't speak. <laughs> I have to say this. Look, nobody prepped me for E3. I asked them, what do I wear? They said, oh, yeah, just wear something business casual. You know, like, you know, some loafers or dress shoes and you know, some jeans and a blazer. So I wore that. And I didn't realize how much walking I'm going to have to be doing. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so my feet were killing me by the end of the first day. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's still amazing. And I mean, especially anytime we can have one of our games on the floor. So, I mean, we we debuted uh, River City Girls publicly at Anime Expo. Mm -hmm. And I spent so much time just standing 20 feet off, just watching people play it and watching where they were laughing, watching where they were getting stuck. And yeah, I mean, watching, you know, we, we worked on this game for over a year. Um, and so you, you know, you know, you enjoy it. I know I enjoy playing it. I know I enjoy Bannon's combat. I know people enjoy my writing and stuff, but you don't have really like a perspective outside of the team and the people that you play test. So, you know, seeing people react to it, seeing people pull off the moves the way you want or laugh at the jokes that you, you know, put in there mm -hmm. is just so satisfying. Yeah. Yeah, the biggest reaction I think showing it off at PAX was people stomping their buddies. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, like, and, and that's the other thing too. I want to ask you about, you know, since you guys are uh, are in the gaming industry, like, what is a side of the industry that we as fans don't normally get to see, like, such as like the hard work that you folks put into your games and the meetings, you know, working with different publishers and companies, like. What is yeah. the, the behind the scenes like? Is it stressful? Is it fun? I mean, is it a blender think, of both? Maybe there's. I think maybe there's an over assumption of we're all working 120 hours a week and killing ourselves and eating ramen and stuff like that. I mean, you know, there is definitely crunch periods, but mm -hmm. it's not. You know, ex, you know, we're not. Our team is not killing themselves to get this game done mm -hmm. because if you plan it in a way that it's based on how much time you have, how much resources you have most productions can be pretty comfortable and and you know so that definitely was the case on this you don't want to you know put so much stuff in your game and over scope it to where you're destroying the energy and morale of your team because then mm -hmm. you're not going to get a you know creative team i think that maybe kind of people are thinking like you know oh everyone must 
kill themselves. If, if you do good planning and you've got a good producer overseeing it, then, then you, you know, it's usually pretty tolerable. Mm -hmm. And another thing is there's, you know, we talk about like the exciting stuff, but, mm -hmm. uh, well, well, I was going to say like, what, what, like with every game you're starting basically from scratch. So, you know, we'll talk about like, Oh, it was so fun to do the music like this or the, you know, stomping the character back to life for every one of those. It's me and Bannon saying, okay, here's the flow chart for death and respawn. Here's the uh, the uh, Excel chart for stat leveling up. Here's the menu flow for the front end. And here's how you delete and copy a save file. So, you know, all of that stuff, you have to do everything that doesn't exist yet has to become a task. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, when you do go, oh, we're going to revive, how long is that going to take our yes. programmer? That's going to take them three weeks. We need three weeks of their time. The animator needs to do this. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of planning. Yeah, and I think like what what was some of the most fun stuff in the game is those contributions that the team members came up with working in the structure we did. So like Jeremy Hobbs did all our menus. Really creative guy. If you go through the front end and you like all the little charming animations of them, or mm -hmm. when tutorials pop up, that's that's all you know him and and Joel, our VFX guy, working together. And so some of the funniest stuff, like uh, when you get a tutorial and at the bottom it just says, okay, cool. That was just what he put in the temp. And, and I'm like, hey, that seems fun. And he asked me and Ben, like, well, do you want me to just change it to okay? We're like, no, that seems cool. And we've seen so many people in playthroughs laugh, like, okay, cool. Like, they just love the, the <laughs> personality of, of uh, advancing the menu. So, yeah, little things like that are fun bits where, uh, you know, everybody on the team can kind of throw in their own little creativity on top of what's already planned. Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, you know, I know we're, we're, we're pressed for time. So I got just a, two, three more questions I want to ask you guys, but I really want to know, okay, what about gaming has you guys passionate? Like, what was that defining moment where you knew, okay, I'm a gamer. I want to do this. Like I, I, I need to be in the industry. Like what was that moment for you guys? I mean, this is something that I've been doing design wise since I was a kid. Like I used to have, I would take pieces of graph paper. I would take about, I would say like an inch or two at the bottom and make like a kind of menu bar. Mm -hmm. And I would draw like, it would be like the predator mm -hmm. and the predator you're playing as Arnold and you have to collect keys and bombs and stuff. And it would be a maze on this graph paper. Mm -hmm. And so like, if you're going through the maze and you get to a door, it's like, well, this door needs a key or this, like you come across a block, you need a bomb. So you have like a little, checkmark thing off to the side to show how many keys you have and how many bombs like just designing games is something i've always wanted to do yeah same for me and i think it's it's funny if you talk to most of the lead programmers and directors here i think they were doing that stuff before we even knew it was a job i, I just remember innately just copying stats from uh final fantasy and, and dragon quest as a kid and re you know copying pixel art on uh, on graph paper again and it's just it's just something just factoidal you just kind of are immersed with mm -hmm. just looking at what you're playing on atari or, or nes and, and and wanting to kind of dive into that structure um you know as far as like i just totally fell into this career i i, I happened to most of my background is in writing mm -hmm. and then for a short spell i i started pixel animating for fun and got hired as an animator and then very quickly <laughs> Like I shouldn't be doing this. I should be writing again. So I switched over to, to designing direction. But yeah, I just kind of fell into it. And and what I love about Way Forward is like there are no rules of what a game is. So we'll do games here that are just classic gameplay mm -hmm. and just very arcadey. And then we'll do games where they're almost entirely like story narrative driven and there's very little gameplay. Like 
it's really all over the place. The main thing is just, you know, connecting with the player. So sometimes that's a more arcadey, like shallower experience. And sometimes it's a really deep experience, but doesn't have anything real time. And, and, you know, the flexibility to kind of bounce between both styles here has been really fascinating. Hmm. Awesome. And, uh, Ben, what about you? Like, how, how did you get into the industry? I mean, like I said before with, so River City Ransom, I wanted to learn how to do pixel art. I had no mm-hmm. idea how to do it. So I started downloading a bunch of GIFs for River City Ransom. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, these are really simple, but very expressive little characters. And then I started, I was like, well, let me just jump to Street Fighter Three animation. And I opened that up in Photoshop and it would mm-hmm. break down the entire GIF. I was like, all right, that's how they animate. That's how I kind of learned. I was like, okay, that's how... Capcom did it for Street Fighter 3. Let me see if I can apply this to these more simple little River City Ransom characters. Mm -hmm. From there, I was trying to find somebody to help me out program this. Like, it was just going to be like a little fan game. And Mm -hmm. I, after like a year or two of me doing pixels and stuff and trying to make this little River City Ransom fan game, I ran into a guy online who actually had the rights to River City Ransom. So Mm -hmm. from there, I mean, just it snowballed like within a week and we started doing started setting up the uh, the kickstarter for mm-hmm. river city ransom underground so that was my first just foray into it i just kind of dove head first into this and then from there they just found me yeah i think i, I started interacting with bannon on twitter and uh we got him in and ch- talked with him i remember at one point we got geeky where we were talking about like the nes version of dragon's lair and he knew about <laughs> uh, all the stuff that we were talking about it's like all right this guy's got the dna because <laughs> yeah, all of the directors at way forward uh just have a gross absurd uh encyclopedic knowledge of like 8-bit you know orbit 16 <laughs> so whenever we're creating a game someone will say like you know what if the boss did that it's like Oh, you mean like Actraiser? Oh, you mean like Flashback? What do you mean like this? Like we're destroying that actually game. helps. Yeah, we can actually <laughs> be able to say we should treat this more like, you know, like Chippendale Rescue Rangers picking mm-hmm. up instead of Super Mario Brothers Two picking up items. Yes, exactly. Oh man, see, see, if I ever, if we ever cross paths in, in person, I feel like we're just gonna. Get, get a couple of drinks. <laughs> we're gonna hug it out like seriously we're gonna hug it out we're gonna get get a couple drinks and just talk about games like i see it's it see I, i'm in my element now i get to nerd out about games i just grew up a bit i grew up with and i and like you said like this weird encyclopedic knowledge of stuff that you can't apply anywhere else but it's useful in gaming we're gaming historians <laughs> yeah it's, yep. it's not something you really learn it's just like through osmosis of playing these games over your entire life mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Um, so down to my last two questions. Again, I'm trying to be super respectful of your time. Um, you. So are we ever going to see uh, possibly Masako and Kyoko ever interacting with uh, Shantae? That's interesting. Uh, I know the fans want it. <laughs> They're <laughs> very vocal about it. Uh, you know, it. We def- we talked about it for the first one, and it was just... It was just one of those things where, because, like I said, we're doing so many things in the game, so many characters and stuff, it, it didn't come together. Mm-hmm. But it's something that we know the fans suggest a lot and something we've discussed internally. And if we do more with this version of River City, uh, I would love to see 
the half genie hero make an appearance. I mean, it just makes sense. Yeah, Bannon's working. Bannon's working in Sequinland right now. He's on the the Shantae team. Oh, I see, and this is this is why I got to have you guys back on because I'd love to talk about Shantae Five. And I know um, it just released on Apple Arcade, I believe. Yes, it did. And um, I I need to talk to my wife because I think she downloaded it day one and she's been on it. So knowing her, she's gonna she's she needs to be on this podcast and talk to you guys about it because she mm-hmm. she's a fan of Shantae from the original. Game Boy Color initial oh, nice. one to all the way up to now, so it's insane. Um, I, I also want to ask you guys if it's are we ever going to see a new Double Dragon game that takes a more more of a serious post-apocalyptic Mad Max Fist of the North style North Star style as the original idea, or will it be more like is it more likely to see it in Double Dragon Neon style? Because me. It's- it's okay. funny you mentioned that because we were just discussing this, um, you know, some of the directors the other day because now we're in, you know, the, there's so many different ways that that could be approached. And, mm-hmm. you know, is it, you know, we've got Billy and Jimmy and Marion in River City. So is that the style of them now? Or is it the same as it was in Neon? Or like you said, does it go darker and more epic and serious like you know double dragon 2 double dragon 3 i I think it would really come down to which director ends up doing it if we did another double dragon game um because all the games are kind of just reflective of the personality of the people behind it you play river city girls and it's you know all the dialogue is the goofy dad jokes that i do and all the combat (laughs) is super satisfying chain combos that uh that bannon knows so yeah, I don't know. It, it, we, it's funny, though, you mentioned that because we were just talking the other day, like, hey, if we did another Double Dragon now post-RCG, which version would it be? And there, there isn't a clear answer. I think we would need it to get greenlit, and then we would, you know, start making decisions from there. Have you guys seen the uh, the fan game uh, Legend of the Double Dragon, where it takes on, um, it basically is kind of, what the original vision of Double Dragon or Super Double Dragon or Return of Double Dragon was supposed to be, and it's got oh no, it's got no. yeah. Like I'm I'm actually friends with the guy who uh, he he did all the sprite work. He's uh, done literally built the game. It took him ten years to do it, but he's built it from the ground up using the Beast of Rage engine. It's got uh, style switch ability. You can switch between Double Dragon one, two, and three. Oh, I have seen this. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like I saw that and I was playing it. I'm like, man, this makes me want Double Dragon back again. <laughs> using the uh, Beats of Rage engine. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would say, yeah. The the the. It's funny your last two questions because the two things we're getting asked more than anything else probably since River City Girls came out is one, are you going to put Shantae in it, and two, are you guys going to do another Double Dragon Neon? So, <laughs> so you're just one of the many. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so I guess one of my last questions is, um, is I, I, uh, we, we, we can ask this other one on another podcast, but I want to ask you guys, like, what are if uh, what advice would you give to the audience here that would be interested in getting into either video game design or gaming industry as a whole? It's not easy. It isn't just get game maker and just start throwing stuff together and you're like, I'm a game designer. It's like, no, it took me years. Mm-hmm. to figure out how to do any of this stuff. And I failed miserably many, many times over and over. So, yeah, it is just, I mean, just study it. Mm-hmm. Um, play games. 
take from the games like why are you enjoying this game see how they did it break down what makes this game fun that you're playing currently and then figure out how how is this fun why is this fun what did it take to actually put this into a game mm-hmm. and if you come up with a game idea like anytime somebody has a game idea they they they, they like to run it by me and i i kind of break it down going that doesn't work because of this this mm-hmm. does work because of this like you can't just be like oh i'm gonna make a game where i could fly through buildings and smash things and blow up cities i was like then what happens to the city when you're done like yeah. do you just have an empty play field like it's stuff like that just break down games essentially i think uh i would add on to that the most critical thing for somebody to gain experience is to finish projects because anybody can start coming up with characters get some basic mobility but you know it's that plus you know what is the loop for save conditions what are the menus how do i do my quest system how mm-hmm. does the game experience begin and end? you know that's kind of the correlation if if someone's main goal is to become like a director like near bannon that's something all the directors at way forward can do well is i can think out every single piece of what will be needed for a game so I would recommend, you know, that's why you, you talk to game uh, developers and they always say, start small. Like, you know, your first project, all, all of our first projects always is some massive RPG that we never finish. But, mm-hmm. you know, try and start with something that's like a Tetris clone. Try and start with something that's really small so that you can finish it, so you can wrap a project up, so you can test it, so you can bug test it, mm-hmm. and you can see what the full experience is. That's going to be the most critical uh, experience you can is learning how to complete a project and then that's really all it takes if you complete a couple of projects and then you're going to get more and more ambitious you're going to start uh teaming up with other people who have experience and then you know either you're going to apply to companies or companies are just going to notice you because your fan games are awesome so come up with projects complete them and then just keep knocking that out and, and work on project after project and that's that's the easiest way to get in you know when people apply here very, very, uh, uh, you know, seldom is it like, well, what school did you go to? Where's your history? Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's just like if we can get a sense of somebody just being really capable and really interesting and, and able to, you know, make products for us, we'll hire them. Awesome. Awesome. All right. I lied. I have a final question for you guys. Sure. Did you, oh. did... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought we had that level of trust, but yeah. yeah right. Right. Did you have fun? With this interview, absolutely. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, ben, I I thought it was okay. Bannon's been in the corner with his arms folded the whole time. Ooh. Oh, I've got <laughs> bumpy face right now. <laughs> uh, this this is great, and yeah, thank you. Uh, it was fun to kind of go under the hood a little bit because a lot of a lot of the interviews we do are just like you know surface level. Like, what are, what are the characters <laughs> and the combat and stuff? But you know, anytime we get to talk about the process, because we want to see more people uh in the industry we want to see more people come to way forward and that just means more games yeah exactly like the we are the bottleneck here at this company like the number of games way forward can make mm-hmm. is the number of talented directors and lead programmers and producers we have so um yeah like if you're inspired if you want to make a game just start making a game make something awesome do it however you want team up with people who can do the parts you can't do and just get stuff done yeah, if it was easy, everybody would be making a game. It's it's not going to be just grab a thing and start making a game. It's like, yeah, it takes effort. It takes time. Yeah, I mean, anything worth having is worth uh, putting effort and fighting for. Yep. 
Otherwise, they would have just flown those eagles right into Mount Doom and threw that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. I know you guys have to go. I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You know, I enjoyed this conversation. I know the audience is going to love it. And um, tell people where they can find you on social media. And yeah, we'll, we'll end it out. I am the only Bannon Rudis in the world. You can find me anywhere. <laughs> uh, you can find both of us on Twitter, Adam Tierney WF. And we're also, if you just follow WayForward at WayForward, mm-hmm. um, we've got our, you know, we're in heavy uh, promotion mode for River City, for Shantae. So you'll find all the coolest, you know, fan art and stuff like that. But yeah, we're, we're everywhere. WayForward's on Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. All right. All right, and with that being said, people, you can find this episode of the Casanova Podcast available on all podcasts and outlets from iHeart Radio to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Uh, just search the Casanova Podcast if you want to support the podcast. You can also support us on patreon.com slash Mikhail Casanova. And with that being said, you can also catch it on youtube.com slash Mikhail Casanova. And now we are signing out. Have a good one. Hey, did you enjoy this episode of the Castanova Podcast? Well, I'm sure you did. And since you did and you're wondering where else you can find it, you can find it on every podcasting outlet. Yes, that includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Launchpad DM by Podcast One, and so much more. And the only thing I ask of you is if you truly enjoyed it, even if you didn't enjoy it, please leave a rating and tell us what you thought of it, what you like, what you didn't like, and everything in between. And also, if you're looking for video formats of this podcast and many more, you'll be able to find them on youtube.com slash Casanova, as well as on twitch.tv slash Casanova, and new episodes every single Monday morning, 8 a.m., Eastern Standard Time. So, that being said, this is Mikhail Casanova, Hawaii's favorite YouTuber. I am signing out. You guys have a great